Hi, I'm Yusuf Zin. My latest TVO Today podcast is on how a Canadian ends up in a Chinese prison, and if he's even alive. Listen and subscribe to Extradition. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to a TVO podcast. Welcome to On Docs, a podcast about documentaries and the stories they tell. I'm Colin Ellis. And I'm Nam Kiwanuka. And today we're celebrating our 100th episode. Holy crow! Noisemaker, noisemaker. I just said holy crow, but that's not a word. I meant holy cow. Well, it's 100, so you can do what you want, Colin. <laughs> um, well, time flies when you're watching documentaries, huh? And we've uh, watched a lot of documentaries. I know. I mean, we've watched everything. We've watched docs about the Anthropocene and human impact on climate change and Woodstock 99, that crazy garbage fire of a music festival. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but for our 100th episode, so we wanted to have a bit of a talk about the actual genre of documentaries. I don't think we've really done a show like this before, but we wanted to talk about where it's been and where it's going. And uh, you might have heard a third voice here, and it's because we have a special guest here, Jane Jankovic. Hi. Uh, TVO's executive <laughs> producer of documentaries at TVO, and she's joining us today. Hi, Jane. Hey, hi. So nice to have you here. It's always great to be here. Uh, so some sad news, and also some good news from your perspective, I suppose. You're retiring. I am. Uh, we're going to really miss you. You've been here for 28 years. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss um, doing documentaries, which has been the last 15 years. I miss it all, actually, because I've had a great had a great ride here for sure. And I should mention that TVO documentaries are a big reason why people watch TVO. It's a big question, mm-hmm. but um, what are some of your highlights working here at TVO? Oh my gosh! Um, in in documentaries, <laughs> I guess. Whichever. Well, you know, I mean, besides hanging out with me and calling. Yeah, other than that, well, it doesn't leave that much then. But, uh, um, you know, I, I've always had a real soft spot for the very first doc that I um, ever commissioned, which was called Broke. And it was a, um, a story where the filmmaker just put a, a camera in a pawn shop in a very underserviced area. And you just got these vignettes of people going in and out. And you just sort of see what life is when you don't have an address, when you don't have supports at home. You can't get a bank account, so they just keep pawning stuff and paying it back. Uh, so I, I still, so I love that because there's no, uh, there's no politicizing in it. It's just ob- observational, and the characters are very strong. Um, and then I did a doc called David, David Me, and it's um, a guy who had been in prison for a crime he didn't commit, and he'd been in there for, I think, close to 30 years, if I recall. And then there was a Canadian. Uh, pen pal that he had, who was working, who was determined to try and find one new piece of evidence that would get a review on his case. And uh, voila, we did not expect this as the ending, but he actually got out. And it was amazing. It was so, ugh. It was a happy just, ending. Happy ending, yeah, for such a tragic story. Yeah. And uh, we didn't know that going in. No, no, it just shows how docs can have an impact on mm-hmm. real people's lives. I, I want to ask you a kind of an open-ended, broad question here. Uh, since we're in the at the end of the year 2022, what do you think a documentary is? You know, I think that definition keeps becoming more and more broad. But I would say at its ba- most basic level, at its most true level, I think, it's a, it's a true story. That's what it is. That's what differentiates it from every other kind of storytelling. It is a true story. And I think docs in particular... They're, um, you know, they're, they're opportunities to create empathy. And that's not the same as sympathy. You know, empathy is that you're watching something and it helps you understand the issue. 
a little bit better and it may may change your perspective. It may entrench your perspective, but it does um, show people worlds that they don't even know are out there. And I think that uh, um, documentary is one of the best ways of doing that because of the... Um, the immersion that you have in the stories that you're observing. I love how you described it because um, I really enjoy documentaries. That kind of aspect of being a fly on the wall and trying to understand different people's perspectives you might not mm-hmm. meet in daily life or even people mm-hmm. that you know you get a better understanding. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to think of what a documentary is in 2022 because all of us seem to have cameras or access to a camera. On Instagram, I spend way too much time on it. <laughs> but even like I would I would argue that even some of the stuff I see on Instagram could be documentaries of, of a sort. Well, they are. There used to be a real, real preciousness, I think, about what a documentary was and how it had to be made in order for it to be legit. And I think the uh, technology has sort of really put a curve on that. Um, more people are able to engage and tell stories in that visual way. Um, that and you don't need all the fancy equipment and the, you know, fancy edit suites and stuff. You can go with your iPhone, you know, desktop, your editing, and it's, um, it may not make it as broadcast quality, but it definitely is a documentary. And uh, I think that's really wonderful because it gives people access to telling their stories that would thought would be totally out of reach and impossible to do. Well, just think about all the documentaries that we've kind of covered on this show, and they, they cover the gamut, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we've had the, the kind of classic you know, sit down, interview ones like The Face of Anonymous, which is a mm. TVO doc. Then there are kind of more cinematic ones like Scrap, which we just featured on the show that are told through cinematography rather than just, you know, uh, expert interviews. And then even, you know, like animation is playing a part in in telling documentary stories. We did Flea on this podcast, uh, or I think earlier this year, and that actually even got an Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering in what ways do you think storytelling has changed the documentary? Well, I think a lot of that has to do with technology, I think. Um, I think it is, as I said, it's enabling uh, filmmakers to think in broader ways about how to tell the story. So I think that's part of it. Um, I also think that um, younger filmmakers are especially... I don't know, especially that was the wrong word, but younger filmmakers do see um, docs in a different way, a different kind of pacing, um, a different way of telling the story. And I think that that is even more profound when you throw in the streaming services that are out there. It's almost, there was an interesting article, actually. Um, Hollywood Reporter? Yes, that's right. Yeah, yes. I remember it was Alex Gibney and I yes, think uh, Ken yes. Burns. And, yeah. um, you know, they were all going, they were saying, like, uh, it's great, you know, that all the streaming services came on. There's lots of money they were pouring into, but it wasn't free. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it became, and it was a very, it became a very, ma- from his perspective, it became a very mathematical way to tell a story. Because you have to connect at a certain period of time, and you have to connect in different kinds of ways in order for it to be considered the most, um, most has the highest potential for high audience. Does that take away the soul of the Well, that's what that's Alex Gibney's, uh, you know, um, take on it. Mm-hmm. That uh, he he's, uh, I don't know if he's going to not take um, like Netflix money or whatever is coming in the future, but that was his uh, his caveat, you know, that it's not free. And if you really want control over your project, um, going with the streamers aren't necessarily going to give you that. 
I think something with the streamers do a lot of now are these docu series, mm-hmm. and you know, I I like a lot of them. Like I love yeah, the Last too. Dance, the the Chicago Bulls mm-hmm. docu series. Mm-hmm. We need to talk about Cosby, which we featured on this show. But what they're doing is is different, right? Because I mean, they're they're not cramming like a whole story into a two hour feature length film, which I think which is I think what traditional docs normally would would do. They usually take uh, a long time to tell their story, and I'm wondering. It, what you think of that, I guess, format as opposed to, I guess, the traditional like two hour mm-hmm. documentary? Well, I think if the story can hold and sustain for four, six, ten parts, I think it's great because I'm the same way. Once I get immersed in something, I just I can't wait to the next day. I just have to keep watching. I binge. I, I'm a total binger. Um, and I think if the story sustains and raises enough issues and has enough characters that are on point for what the whole series is about, uh, I think it's great. But there are many times where that just isn't the case. You know, I get often pitches as well for three parts, uh, two parts, four parts, and it can be done in 90 minutes. Like, no <laughs> question. No question. So I think there's also this stretch of the story, which I think is unfortunate because it, it loses an edge, it loses momentum. And you'll, I think you'll also notice in a lot of those longer um, series, uh, uh, documentary storytelling, there's often something kind of, celebrity-oriented or kind of grisly about them. You know, like it's like a murder or a, you know, an inv- a cold case or an investigation of some historical thing that has yet to be resolved. And, you know, so it kind of appeals to that kind of uh, viewer who's, uh, and that's most viewers, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it seems to be like a way to keep them on the site longer. On, on Oh, yeah. On, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's why they're so mathematical. Like yeah. You have to hit this at eight seconds, and you've got 20 seconds to do this. And, um, it's about subscribers. Yeah, it's all about you know getting those bingers and keeping them on there. And uh, you know sometimes it's great, and other times it's like... Uh, wrap it up. Wrap <laughs> it up. <laughs> oh, my God, wrap it up. Like, you know? <laughs> well, you mentioned uh, crime documentaries, mm. and um, that genre for documentaries, I think uh, people... True crime. Uh, some people have had enough of it. Mm-hmm. I actually like uh, yeah. <laughs> please don't judge me yeah, no. um, um, and you know there's been a specific focus on serial killers like the Jeffrey Dahmer tapes and conversation with a killer the Ted Bundy tapes are just a few mm-hmm. um, first of all um, with those are just a couple of the documentaries about those guys um, do you have to we I think sometimes we forget that when we have those um, uh, documentaries to entertain us, maybe to educate us by the people who are involved in those, the, the real people involved in those situations, it could be re-traumatizing them mm-hmm. and their families. What do you think about this trend? Well, I understand it in that whenever there's a lot of instability um, and emotional upheaval in society, I think to be able to watch something where somebody's actually doing something to correct it, you know, um, or doing something so you don't have to be quite as afraid when you walk outside your door. uh, I understand the appeal of that, that... um, especially if they get their comeuppance. It's like perfect, you know, like like a Bundy or whatever. Just looking at Dahmer in particular. um, We end up making him a celebrity, when he, well, he is, but not for all the wrong reasons, you know. So when we, the more we have these series that focus on these really high-profile murderers or bank robbers, and well, everybody likes a bank robber, but, you know, um, the more we have that, the more you're actually giving them a lot of face time and just a lot of time to make them more human. I, you know, I don't know. Um, so that's a bit, I find that problematic, but I engage in watching some of those. And the people who are in the uh, documentary... Yeah, 
Well, we're very careful to make sure that people are actually prepared to expose themselves emotionally when there has been a trauma and the story is about that. It's about their trauma or about how they're coping with their trauma or how they've become a champion of a cause because of the trauma. I'm not comfortable with sort of victim stories, so to speak, that uh, where if there's even a piece of hesitation when the director is uh, trying to pitch this to me, I'm already thinking... He doesn't have these people, mm. you know, and we don't. Can, we, can I bring up an example of that? Because I think there are no fakes, which is about mm. this uh, art forgery ring. Mm-hmm. And uh, they basically used or they were selling these fake uh, Morisot paintings mm-hmm. as an indigenous artist. Yeah. And, you know, we learned through the doc that there was a horrible person involved in uh, the ring who was inflicting unbelievable abuse on on these uh, folks in Thunder Bay, uh, mostly indigenous. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, I guess, approach a story like that where you don't want to obviously re-traumatize uh, the victims? Well, in those cases, I think some of the characters that you're referring to, which are um, in Thunder Bay, yeah. where, where, it, uh, where most of the story happens, they were very keen to step forward. They wanted to get that story out. And and the guy who was like the evil one, for sure, um, with the uh, forgery that was happening... They wanted to keep him in jail. They wanted to get him in jail. They wanted to keep him there. So they were very forward. I know there was um, some consideration uh, or criticism, I should say, that it was not, it was really unsavory that those people were used to tell the story. But we would not have done that had they not been interested in in doing that. In fact, um, every time the film had a public screening, they would all go to the public screening and um, just to keep seeing it again and again because they, and, and to make it clear that they are supportive of having told the story. So um, you just have to make sure that your folks are at a point where they can do that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just want to give another example of a documentary we covered here on, on Docs, uh, which is The Tindler Swindler. And that documentary didn't involve uh, gruesome murders, but it did tell important stories about how victims can fight back. Mm-hmm. And that's also, important too. Also, mm-hmm. kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, there's a bit of there's <laughs> no, a tinge. No, you're the of, victim. <laughs> no, but I just think that, that there's a. If you watch that film and and you see this guy, I forget his name now. The 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 the, the tender swindler. The only thing you need to oh, know right. is yeah. he's very handsome. They always and are. has this charisma where it, he can tell you up up is down and yeah. down is up. But he's just, he's such a character, and and I think I don't know. It, it's maybe not to the same degree as. That there are no fakes or the Dahmer, mm-hmm. you know, and they, no one got murdered, <laughs> fortunately. But he did uh, he swindle did, he people did, out of he money. Yes, he did. He a took lot a lot of money, money. and he, he and definitely he's living broke the good a lot life of hearts. Still, I know. There's no justice. It's crazy. You know, and people want to know, how could that happen? Yeah. Because they always think, I wouldn't have been duped that way. No way. But then when you see how charming he is. It's very easy. Yeah. It's very, I mean, Bundy, for instance, that's the classic one. He was, you know, handsome, charming, wonderful. And, yeah. you know, next thing you know, you're... You're dead, but yeah. uh, it's interesting that we're having this conversation because we don't really talk about the format of mm-hmm. form of documentary that much. We're more interested in the issues. Are there issues that you think need documentary treatment now? Well, like what are we not paying attention to that we should be? I think there's two areas where I, I'm hoping that there's a lot more thinking going on in the community out there than maybe there is. I mean, one, and I know this is probably going to make some people's eyes glaze, you know, but. <laughs> um, I think we need to find new ways of talking about the environment. Um, I think that 
so many of these stories are have almost become cliches, um, and it, which is tragic in itself. But what do you mean uh, by that? Uh, you know, the the company that dammed up the river so that they could you know extract gold and how that had an impact on the local community, etc. Um, a lot of those are, um, and I hate to say this, but you know, a different river, a different mountain, a different whatever, and it's the same story. They're redundant. Yeah. So, um, and also, I think that uh, um, Armageddon, you know, is not is not working. <laughs> it's not working. It's too far beyond everybody who can who can who thinks of themselves as wanting to do something proactive. Um, so, I think we need to find a way of telling stories that aren't so overbearing and yet aren't simplistic. You know, like yeah. So, I think, and that's a hard one. I think because it's been done a lot, a lot. But people are stopped. They're not listening anymore. What about who tells the story? How important is yeah, that? Yeah, really, that's really important as well. You know, we thought at, uh, you know, we, we were doing really well in docs, you know, with, because we had so many stories where the subject matter and the characters in that story were from an underrepresented group. But what we weren't paying attention, or at least I, what I wasn't paying attention to was who was telling that story. That's kind of my, uh, you know, my my unconscious bias, you know, that I had. I thought, we're serving the story and we're serving that community as get out there, but we're not getting their voices. So we've really made a big shift in the last year to a strong commitment to um, have stories told by um, diverse people. Not necessarily the diverse filmmaker who's telling the diverse story. The goal is that they're doing all their stories, you know, which isn't necessarily about their community, but they're just telling a story. And it, it will make a difference, I think, in how it's told. Uh, we've mentioned streaming uh, a few times. Uh, just a reminder, TVO is also on the Roku app, and all of our documentaries are on YouTube. I wonder um, how much you think streaming has changed the game, especially from TVO's standpoint as a broadcaster. Um, well, I think uh, in big ways and not. Um, I love I love the fact that everything's on streaming. I love that there's more screens out there, more platforms, more opportunities, more on demand. I think that's just all good for um, the documentary community. It makes it more accessible. Yeah, it's more accessible. Different demographics. You can decide. You, you can encourage people on other um, social media that this is there. You run a clip. Um, I, I mean, I just love it. And I think it's uh, uh, it just is, is a it's a broad spectrum approach to storytelling, which I love. And it also uh, um, makes, I think, filmmakers, not all of them, but makes some filmmakers mindful about pacing, um, that this is a story they're telling for someone else to observe rather than this is my heart and soul and this is what I believe and this is what I'm putting on on screen. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that because if filmmakers didn't have that, we wouldn't get any docs done, I don't think. <laughs> but I think it is people making people more, filmmakers more aware of their audiences than maybe they were before. Well, I know that um, at the beginning, especially the first year of the pandemic, streaming, I think, probably saved lives. Oh, my God. Yeah. We just wanted to, there's yeah. nothing really for us to do. Um, yeah. And having been in this space, where do you think the genre is going and how do you think it will evolve? Um, I think we'll continue to create new genres. Um, I think when people first start, they often will sort of pick a genre and uh, use that genre as a way of telling their stories because they can see it. They can see the structure. They can see how it was done, etc. I think moving forward, it's going to be less structured. Um, uh, and I think there'll be a lot more experimentation. I mean, when we first went online, there was lots of experimentation about how to do docs online, not just streaming it, but how to do it online. So it is a different platform for a certain kind of storytelling that benefited from having a story interactive as opposed to a, 
you know, laid back experience. That didn't work so well, I don't think, in terms of um, critical mass, in terms of its success. And I think that, um, uh, again, I think younger filmmakers are exploring different ways of telling stories um, that will allow them to be more personal, I suppose, but more nimble, a lot more nimble, and, and not cost quite so much money. I mean, when I first, yeah, when I first started uh, Docs, the budgets are very different from where they are now, and uh, everybody feels they like were they, healthy. They, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but now you know everybody wants a million dollar budget. You know, million. I can't do it on less than a million dollars. And I know they don't. They can do it in less than a million dollars because we've had award winners and you know um, CSA winners, etc. And they didn't pay a million dollars for that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think uh, I think yeah, I think the technology and I think the sensibilities of filmmakers is always evolving. And I'm not sure what genres will evolve from that, but I think it'll be new and different. We know we have to go, but we just want to thank you so much for all. The times you've been on this podcast and for all your work at TV over the years, and we're not the Oscar pods are never going to be the same, you know. Oh, I'm never going to miss those. <laughs> oh, yeah, a lot of and fun. I don't think I've ever picked a winner. I don't think. Oh, maybe the year the Obama doc with the uh, oh the American Factory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That one was a no. We knew that yeah. was going to happen. Yeah, but otherwise, I. I I don't think I've picked a winner yet. I never do, though. I'm always surprised what gets nominated for things, what gets into fest- film festivals. It's like, oh. I, I guess it's happy. very subjective, right? Yeah. I, I, I don't know what's going to be nominated this year, but I think the lawyer, Laura Poitras documentary. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, all the Beauty and the Suit. Sorry, I can't remember the full title, but I have a okay. feeling that one's going to get, get nominated. It's a very good doc, too. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's excellent. Well, Jane, yeah. congratulations on an incredible career. Oh, I, I'm You've blessed. changed so many people's lives. And mm-hmm. for the viewers of TVO, you've, uh, like, I, before I started working here, that TVO documentaries was something that I used to watch. I I told you this before, but I actually sent you a pitch years ago. I know. I'm so <laughs> embarrassed. I didn't even answer it, apparently. <laughs> you didn't. But now I'm sitting next to you, so it's been a privilege to work with you. Congratulations oh, on everything. thank you. It's been a privilege for me to be here, you know, on this show and also at TVO. It's just, uh, you know, it's a... It's a little, it's a little engine that could, you know, we just, we punch above our weight and it's just amazing the work that we do here. God, how blessed I've been to be able to work with such smart and wonderful people. Wow. Yeah. Same with us. We're grateful. And that's the podcast. Special thanks to Jane Jankovic for coming on the show. And this is our last episode of the year, but do not unsubscribe because we are coming back with a brand new look. So look out for new episodes in early 2023. And if you like what you heard over 100 episodes, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or share on Docs with a friend. It really helps us out. Thanks to producer and editor Matthew O'Mara, production support coordinators Nikki Ashworth and Jonathan Hollowell. Our podcast manager is Shariar Tajvidi. And our executive producer is Lori Few. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you at the next screening. Mm-hmm.